three, two, one. That's right. You're listening to the It's My Time podcast, a recording of the experiences, past and present of everyday people. Yes, indeed. And now, here's your host, the one, the only, Asher Chua. Hey, welcome to the podcast, John. Thank you. Um, I'd like to introduce you to the audience with this question. Who do you say you are? As far as um, I'm Johnny. And uh, first and foremost, I'm a father, so, but also a musician. And a, One minute. Uh, are you are you covering up your, your um, mic? Possibly. How's that? Yeah, that's much better. Gotcha. Sorry about that. Well, first, I am a father and also a musician, but um, mostly a welding inspector and supervisor, but also an entrepreneur. So, Yep. (laughs) That's been, uh, what is it? You've had the the highs and lows of entrepreneurship recently, huh? Yeah, um, it's still panning out, so we'll see. That's what's up. Well, fingers crossed for you. But um, I guess for anyone that that doesn't know, let me. Well, let me stick to order. We'll, we'll come back to the entrepreneurship. But I yeah. met you um, with your background in welding because you were one of the best welders I've ever met. Just wanted to give you that compliment. Or it's been said, but um, seeing you as someone that's gone from like how did how did you get into welding? How did you decide like this would be the thing to become a welder and now a welding inspector? Um well I was sitting at my desk in front of in front of a computer um when I was dating my now ex-wife and I hated my job as a uh, estate planner, financial planner, and literally Googled highest paying jobs in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was First was, I think it was doctor, then lawyer, then number three was welding inspector. So two weeks later, I was enrolled in welding school. And to be a welding inspector, to take the test, you have to have five years experience in the field before you can even apply to take the test. So yeah, that's what got me into it, uh, a girl. Uh, It was just, I hated my job and uh, I like working with my hands and I wanted something that, uh, well, I sit in front of the computer and... Um, I had the idea to uh, uh, actually actually ask her to marry me. Uh, like this is the one; she's the one. And um, so, yeah. I guess how would you land in? Uh, that would pay enough. Yeah. Gotcha. So you were getting the job in order to secure the girl, or just make sure that you had all your ducks in a row? No, not to secure the girl. We were already secure. Just uh, you know, to, uh, if we had kids one day, which we did. You know, mm-hmm. everybody would be financially secure. That's good, Ford. Thank you. Didn't work out um, as far as the marriage, but we got three great kids out of it. So yeah, and I guess how did how did you come to even being an estate planner? Like, I guess that's that, a big... my dad. My dad was a uh, banker for thirty years and okay. um, CFO and. Between when he started and when he left the banking, there's just so many different banks that would merge and you'd have to go to a different bank. And generally, banks only need one CFO. So eventually, by the time I was a freshman in high school, he was like, all right, I've had a... No, no, no. I was a junior in high school. He had a, he basically told himself, I had enough of this. I'm going to go out on my own and do my own thing. And luckily, at that time, my mom just started uh, her nurse practitioner 
so she could keep the family afloat and bills paid while my dad did his entrepreneurial thing. And um, at one point, I, I it was my dad, my brother-in-law, and me, and I just I didn't like it. <laughs> it wasn't for me. So got you. Was it like? Not necessarily the family aspect, but just like the the work being behind a computer most of the time. Uh, it was it was a, it was a lot of things, but mainly I I didn't like my brother in law, and he was younger than me, and I didn't want to work with him for the rest of my life. So yeah, that's, that's <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> but I guess since then you you make the the transition into um, welding. You decide to not only um, pursue it, but go ahead and get your your years of experience through that. Like, what, what was that like for you? Uh, it was uh, starting at the bottom, starting at that first rung, starting at the bottom of the ladder and working my way up. Um, started my first job when I was still in welding school. Um, I hadn't graduated yet. And yeah, starting from ground zero and working my way up and it's paid off. I'm now I live in Nashville and um, the company I work for is about to merge with another company. And that company is going to, the one that's merging, they're going to have majority, the one that's buying us or just merging anyway. And they're not necessarily buying us, but they are, I mean, I guess in a way they are, I don't know, they're going to invest 10 million in our company. So wow. well, that'll help everybody out with um uh pays everybody's gonna get raises and new equipment and it's gonna be great for the shop and all that but um i left i didn't i wasn't in the inner circle on that information that that merge was happening Mm -hmm. and so i left to go work another job i wanted to come back but i went to go work a union job uh, Mm a temporary shutdown but i was gonna be gone for a couple months so i didn't even know if they'd let me come back but uh they called me the first day i was on that job and Mm -hmm. My boss was telling me this or that. And I'm like, well, I got to break it to you. Uh, I'm kind of told him what I was doing because I had to go take a welding test to get on that job. I didn't know if I was going to pass a welding test. And so a couple hours after I passed the welding test, um, I was like, okay, well, I guess right. I'm going to do the job. And he called me. I'm like, uh, I got to let you know. I'm not going to be back for a month or two. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, you did kind of sort of tell me that in a way a couple weeks ago. He's like, let me talk to the owner if I can tell you about what's going on behind the scenes. And so the next day we talked to Dave, he's like, we really need you back because they want, they want to make me shop foreman and supervisor over everything at the shop. And with yeah. the merch, they need someone. So, I mean, I, in the, in the last decade, I, I started welding very late and mm-hmm. I didn't, my first time I ever arced was probably 32. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, just a decade ago. So, um, I got in the game very late, but over the past 10 years, I've gotten a lot of experience and it's paying off finally. Granted, Nashville is a very expensive place to live. Um, so um, I took a pay cut to work with this company, to it's a family owned company, to hopefully uh, be a part of the growth over the next 25 years. Wow. I, I guess what, what's that like? like starting 10 years ago and really starting from the bottom, like coming from the space where you came from doing um, the family business and then saying, okay, I'm going to go do welding, but now I've got to start basically as a grunt and like even be a helper at times and things like that. And now you're at this level where you can kind of know the goings on 
of what's going on with the company going through a merger. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I went to college for audio production engineering. And when I graduated, around the time I graduated, I decided that's not what I want to do. <laughs> so <laughs> just like anyone in life, I don't know. There's a lot of people that get a, graduate high school and have no idea what they want to do. Some people do. And then, you know, life happens. And you yeah. decide that's not what you want to do and you do a career change. And I, I did that. I've done that a couple of times. Um, and I'm kind of doing it again right now if if the app is successful. But um, if it is, I will walk away from welding. But um, if it's not, I have a safety net. But starting from the bottom up in the welding industry was tough, especially with the pay at first. Um, when I started, we were... Uh, my my ex-wife and I were pregnant with our first kid, so it was a challenge uh, financially. But um, it was basically it came down to I had always had a good work ethic because my dad he I, when I graduated high school he told me he said John no matter what you do in life mm -hmm. always do your best and work hard eventually someone will notice and that I, that was ingrained in my brain my, <clears throat> excuse me that was ingrained in my brain I never forgot it I don't know why so I always. Mm -hmm kept that type of uh, mentality when I was on a job and I've worked numerous jobs and on some places you are just a number. Um, mm -hmm. They don't care how hard you work. They care when you don't work, you're not doing your job, but if you do go above and beyond, they can care less. But in the welding industry, they really notice. They have schedules. They have they have overhead that um, they don't want to uh, spend, and um, so it definitely got noticed there. And I climbed the ladder pretty quick in the yeah. welding industry because of my work ethic. I mean, my my parents yeah. were great models, so um, that just kind of stuck with me. So that was kind of the root of it, just having a good work ethic. That's awesome. And I I guess it, it just seems like that just having that hard work ethic and just being willing to do the job, even in the suck, it's it's very common among guys that, that are in the trades and people that even pick up those types of jobs. Because I remember my first job out of college was a, um, a technician doing non-destructive engineering or non-destructive testing work. And a lot of people, like some people, one guy in particular, I remember he graduated with an art degree and this was right after like 2008 housing market crashed a lot of jobs and things weren't available so people that owned their own company people that had different backgrounds that had nothing to do with like industrial engineering or construction engineering found themselves in these positions because it's like the work's always available you just have to have people willing and capable of doing it and that are diligent to say okay we're going to do the the hard work even if it sucks for a while but to your point like people definitely notice and i think nice. over four years of working with you or, or working around you i was like your name would always come up in a positive light yeah until the end when management changed and uh you know one superintendent left and the other one came in and man he did not like me the one the first one liked me and promoted me to a weld supervisor uh but the after he retired and the new his replacement came in oh that man did not like me and, you know, eventually I, I got bumped down back to welder and like, all right, fine. That's how it's just so it's good and bad. I mean, the pay for what we we're doing in the union at that particular job was great. Never made that much money in my life. Um, but um, I'm kind of on the transition because what I'm doing now is non-union with this company. And I'm yeah. kind of, I, just, I just I mean, I don't I don't like it. Um, 
in general. I mean, a lot of these things, a lot of the work done with the union work is shut down, so it's temporary. You're in, you're out. Uh, it's unlike Vogel, that was a, a long job. They're actually loading fuel. Do you, you read about that? But um, For the second one or the, the first one? For, for unit three. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's exciting. But, uh, regardless, um, I just... That at least I won't ever work for that company again. But mm-hmm. um, I met a lot of great people in the union. I met a lot of people I'll never hopefully talk to again. But uh, I mean, you know what I mean? You know, you've worked yeah. around all these people. But um, I don't know. It's uh, it's given to take. Uh, you got to take the good with the bad. So Yeah. And now I guess moving on to your new venture. Like I think we, we kind of talked about it earlier. So tell me a little bit about that going into the, uh, the entrepreneurship route like your dad and taking your own spin on it. Well, yeah. So um, I'm making a mobile app for a phone. And the point of the app for someone to download it is to connect with either a recipient or a donor. That is a sperm donor. Um, After my divorce, some time went by, but then I began being a donor. Um, So I'm living it still to this day, um, still donating. And a majority of the women I work with are lesbians, but not all of them. Some of them are single women. Some of them are married to a guy. Um, My last success was with a married couple. The husband had a vasectomy. So, um, yeah. Um, And it's kind of uh, a lot of people don't know about it. Most everybody thinks about sperm banks. They don't even know about this option. Um, There are websites that do this. Uh, there are, there was one other app. I just saw another one that came out. Uh, the one ad, the original app came out in 17 is just so crappy. So it was really my inspiration to do a good one. It's basically just a rip off of Tinder. You swipe left mm-hmm. or right on a profile and then you can message each other. That's it. Yeah. It just connects people. The core of, um, my app is going to be educational because when I started doing this, I, I was, <laughs> I had no idea. Um, there's an etiquette to it, mm-hmm. you know? And there's also yeah. a wrong and a right way to do it with inseminating. And I was kind of in shock with how little majority of the women I work with knew about their own body, um, dealing with uh, mainly with ovulation. Um, mm-hmm. I've kind of, by default, I've become a uh, uh, ovulation uh, advisor for a lot of women. So, uh, but you know, I'm not a doctor or anything, and so. Um, the app is, I hired a company to make the app to code it. And I first contracted them in January of uh, 2020. And it's in the Android store right now. There's still some glitches on it. Android has not uh, updated the, or approved the updates to fix those glitches yet. Um, but you can find it in that store. But Apple, I've been going back and forth with Apple for months, probably six months by now. They keep nitpicking it uh this and that they're not okay with and they're whatever because it is kind of it's kind of taboo it's uh yeah i mean how did you, you decide on it as well decide to do the app or to donate to both well i mean i guess you, you kind of explained the the app part but i guess like just going the route of donating like what what kind of like spurred you on to be like hey this this could be a good thing i i could do uh well after my divorce i was a mess kind of and i never really said this out loud i get asked by recipients oh why'd you start donating 
Mm-hmm. And I'll tell them my little generic answer. But um, my divorce is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. Emotional mess. She divorced me, but we had three kids. And one of our mm-hmm. kids, the youngest, was a newborn. And I was just, I was a mess. I lost 18 pounds. Uh, and I don't have 18 pounds to lose. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know how big I am. I'm not, not a, right, right. I was like, that, that's not I, a good I've never, I've never in my life been overweight. So, yeah. It was bad, but, um, regardless, um, so I don't know. I really don't know how it first popped in my head. I think I thought, of, I mean, I think after the war, some time went by and then I was like, oh, I guess I'll start dating again. Uh, got on some dating apps and I guess I was daydreaming about it one day and I was like, God, it could be years before I meet someone. Cause I wanted another kid. My ex and I talked about having a fourth. I don't know why it's not like we we're getting along, but, um, mm-hmm. Uh, it could be years before I actually meet somebody I like that I I would even want to marry. And then, you know, even years past that before I um, like, we actually have a kid together. This could be like, this could never happen, you know? Mm -hmm. So I I Googled like sperm banks and the cutoff age for sperm banks is 38 for guys. And I was 38 at the time. So I'm like, I'm not even going to mess with the application process to Mm -hmm. donate a handful of times, whatever, whatever. Again, in a Google search, <laughs> Google's uh, changed my life in this uh, results. But uh, I saw, I found a website that did it, and that's how I met my first uh, recipient couple that I work with. That was successful, and um, that little boy just turned three uh, this month. And regardless of that, I. There's us. There's another forum I found in the search, and someone is really. It's like a Craigslist. Thing. It was very shady. Um, just really like Craigslist just for that. Um, someone posted in there, like there were Facebook groups for this. Why are y'all even in here? This is so janky, shady. And so I searched on Facebook, didn't find anything. And, uh, um, yeah. And then, uh, a couple more months went by and I, and I saw it again in the forum and uh, that's why the forum is where I met my second success. Uh, but, uh, and then. So I searched again. I guess I didn't use the right words. And then, uh, bam, there's a bunch of uh, groups that popped up. I joined I joined them, saw how they worked, and mm-hmm. eventually made a post with a picture of myself. And, oh, my God, after I posted that picture, I'm photogenic. Granted, this is part of my Halloween costume. I didn't even say that, <laughs> but I'm pretty photogenic. And, uh, wow, my, my inbox blew up after that post because there are lots of people. There are, at the, when I joined that one particular group in Facebook, there was already mm-hmm. over 10,000 people in it. And, okay. um, uh, and so anyway, so then I, I was overwhelmed, uh, cause the ratio in a lot of these groups is like eight to eight well, for, for like every 10 recipients, there's two donors, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. really biased. It's like 80, 20%. Anyway, uh, it's, re- it's really a lot of donors, donors are overwhelmed, but, um, the founder of that group eventually started talking to when I decided I was going to do the app. Um, mm-hmm. because now there's already 40 oh, in the group, that particular group, there's over, uh, no, wait, I'm getting my numbers wrong. Mm-hmm. There's over, uh, I think there's over 30,000 people in it now, but we're going to wow. use it to, uh, um, to promote. I, I talked to him and now he's my co-founder for the app. He's invested mm-hmm. money for the cost of the app and all that. So, um, yeah, we're going to use uh, Facebook groups because he has multiple other Facebook groups. Uh, he's yeah. kind of using the, the idea that Google uses when you search something and a word pops up. It's kind of he's using the same thing, making other groups. But mm-hmm. a lot of the people are in all the groups. But regardless, uh, it's heavily moderated. 
the groups and um because I mean, just like anything, like Twitter or Snapchat or TikTok, whatever, or even the dating apps, there are scammers. Yeah. All I mean is that my app is going to have to be heavily moderated as well because mine will have a feed similar to Facebook, where people can post on it, comment, like, all that, connect that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's going to be people that want to take advantage of that. So um, yeah. it's going to that's going to be a big tough part of it is that and. Um, I recently watched, uh, a show on Netflix called the playlist. It's about Spotify. I don't know if you mm-hmm. caught it. Um, no, I haven't caught anything in a minute. It's, it's pretty cool. I don't know if it's how literally I'm sure they kind of went around the corners with some of what actually happened and it isn't like documented. Obviously, I mean, it has actors and all that that are doing the, uh, the show, but, um, yeah, um millions and millions and millions of dollars and they all they were doing was a website at the time um so millions of dollars spent or uh-huh. they, they spent millions of dollars like for spotify just to get it up and running and going get it up and running like, the way they wanted it yeah and yeah. at that time when it was happening all the uh music pirating uh was going on in the record labels and all the lawsuits and all that stuff was happening right when they were doing it so they had a really tough go getting the rights to the music with the record companies it took them years and yeah. over that time they spent tens of millions of dollars uh but they had investors um and um so well as soon as apple approves my app i'm going to start shopping around to investors to try and scale gotcha so I guess what what's the like you said the the donor to recipient ratio is like extreme. So for you, like part of the motivation was like having the idea of still having another child and just yeah. not that being an option, being divorced. And with like the donors that you've met, is a lot of them is is really just wanting to have a family, wanting to be able to raise kids of their own. Yeah, um, I, I mean. Prior to my marriage and divorce, I would have probably never been been a donor. I would have never even weighed that as an option. Um, but I was kind of forced into it with my divorce, not being a donor, but kind of just breaking my frame of mind with it. My own kids, I wasn't gonna be able to see on a daily basis. That was what mm-hmm. was so emotional for me yeah. with the divorce. Why I was such an emotional wreck mm-hmm. was I, I'm not gonna see my own kids on a daily basis. I'm not going to be able to give them a hug and play with them and see them in person daily. It, right. it, it just messed me up, but I was forced into it by law with, with the <laughs> divorce. Um, so it kind of set me up to have a more open mind about it, about the whole situation mm-hmm. of, as far as donating to a woman or a couple and not being a part of that child's life. I mean, there are anonymous donors out there, but that's mm-hmm. a deal breaker for me. Yeah. In this war, in this world, outside of the sperm banks as being a sperm donor, you can make your own rules. And I have my little, my minimum as a donor that I copy mm-hmm. paste to any recipient that messages me that's interested and either they're okay with it or they're not. And um, if what they're looking for is an, is an anonymous donor to just donate, yep. get pregnant and then never talk to them again, that's not me. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but wish you luck. I'm not, we're not going to yep. work together. Um, right. So this, there's a lot of conversation that has to go on between the two of us. And I'm sorry, I go off on rants. No, but, no, um, um, but no. Um, so, yeah, I just I would have never done this <laughs> or before, but I just I don't know. It's 
it's something that a lot of people don't think about. Um, you know, obviously when the kids are 18, they're adults, they can do whatever they want. And I do keep in touch mm-hmm. with all of my recipients. Um, mm-hmm. I made a private Facebook group for all of them and their spouse to join. So everybody knows who everybody is. Um, yeah. None of the kids grow up and don't, and, you know, accidentally date each other is highly, extremely <laughs> unlikely for that. The odds for that to happen was just outlandish. It's just like, winning the powerball but you know eventually somebody wins the powerball so i guess the it's odds could potentially happen but so everybody knows everybody they generally friend each other i mean i've had some that get the kids together and go on play dates it's it's crazy i never would imagine that would happen but um so and i've met i've met about four of my donation kids in person got a picture with them and the others that i can meet as well they are but um, others that, you know, they, they're only okay with my minimum as a donor and um, they, you know, okay with me meeting them either when they're 18 or someone's like, you can meet them when they start asking questions, you know, especially when they have two moms and kids yeah. are asking questions a lot sooner than 18 these days. So, um, yeah, it's. But I'm I'm friends with Facebook on Facebook with them. So if they post a picture of the child, I see it. So I do get to see the child growing up from the outside, and yeah. uh, which is great. And sometimes some of them do send me pictures just because. Um, mm-hmm. So um, I do have one that sends me pictures all the time, and she's like, "You can come see us whenever you want." You, uh, she's just you know yeah. to the moon grateful for uh, you know the opportunity. She's a lesbian. And yeah. so, and she wants to do more <laughs> with me. So, I mean, she's yeah. just very extremely grateful and she goes way out of her way to show her appreciation. So, um, but yeah, um, I think I roundabout answered your question and a few others. Yeah, that, That's pretty cool. I guess, I guess with that, so like you wanted to have one more, but now you obviously have more than just four kids and like as you continue to donate and have success you'll continue to have more kids so is your main intent to um have as many kids as you can or supply whoever needs help with being able to have their kids of their own uh no i'm very picky um i get a lot of messages and i talk to countless women and i only actually donate to a fraction of them um i'm pretty picky about who i donate to and um but i mean no i'm gonna have a cutoff um i do know some donors out there that have over 100 kids um i'm nowhere absolutely nowhere near that um i am double digits but no um i'm very 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 i mean i'm a successful donor um but there's some women i work with that we were not successful we tried multiple times sometimes two people uh really struggle to conceive um whether it be blood types or just genetics or bad timing um or some of the women i work with have serious fertility issues obviously i still can make kids um not going to tell you my number but i mean our that was one way i was actually able to start and have women even work with me was that i already had three kids i proved i can make kids um but if you don't have kids getting into this world as a donor, you would have to go get a sperm analysis, which I did do a couple of years after I started just for the heck of it, just to see where I was. Um, and I'm not some crazy numbers, uh, above, I'm above average, but mm-hmm. I do notice when I am working out regularly, I do have more successes, uh, and a meaning great. I mean, as a lifestyle change as a donor, I had to start eating clean. I had to start working out. 
I had to stop drinking beer on a daily basis. Um, this is lifestyle change because there are these women that are, you know, depending on you. And, um, you know, if you're out not getting enough sleep, uh, multiple multitude of things. I can't, you know, I take lukewarm shower, no hot seats, no hot tubs. It's not, it's not good for that. Um, so there's, uh, there's lots of things that go with marital fertility. And I, I mean, I, sp- I spend like 200 bucks in supplements on a monthly basis. So, um, and, but no, I don't, I don't, I, I'm just going to eventually be in a relationship with someone that's not cool with me doing that and I'll stop. But yeah. so far in my dating life, just that I, not that I am a donor, but that I have donated has generally been a deal breaker for most women. I, t- I date my personal life, uh, which is understandable. Um, right. I'm kind of numb to it and like, Oh really? Okay. Well, uh, sorry. I'm not interested really anymore. And but I'm like, okay, that's fine. I knew that going into it. I, I mean, I thought about this when I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. As one of my thoughts that kind of almost taught me out of even starting to do this was like, eh, in my personal dating life, these women aren't going to be cool with this. Like, mm-hmm. but I I'm like, well, then they're not the one they're not open-minded. They're not, you know, but you know, I don't know. It's uh, not something I tell them on the first date. If we even right. get to, if we even get to a second date, then right. uh, I might tell them then or third or fourth somewhere somewhere in there. Gotcha. I was gonna ask you. I was gonna be like, well, is that like yeah. a, a first date conversation? No. Hey, by the way, this, I'm I'm a supplementary sperm bank. So this. Yeah. All right. No, it's not. I don't come out the gate with that. Gotcha. And I guess like being a donor and working with um, recipients directly, do you have to deal with the sperm bank in any kind of way or guess based on what you guys agree to and how things play out? That's we we could talk for a long, long time on that. Um, There are some states that don't have laws for this at all yet. And um, even with that, there's no federal law for this. It kind of falls under the umbrella of, you know, child support and um, um, visitation and all those things. A big deterrent for either one of those part, either party to go that route is um, if the donor wants to see a kid, he's got to pay child support. And if the recipient wants to try and get child support out the donor, then yes, they have to give the kid uh, give the donor a visitation, or, you know, the right to see the kid. But there are also states, if the recipient, the woman, uh, applies for state assistance financially, they're mm-hmm. not all states, but some states. And I do know some donors personally that are paying child support because of this. Um, if they apply for financial, I mean, uh, state assistance, the state will go after the biological father for child support. Um, it's not like that here in Tennessee, but it is like that in Oklahoma. I know that in some other states as well. Um, gotcha. So there's things like that, but uh, no sperm bank. No, uh, I mean, I do get uh, tested about every five months, um, which again, that's the extra thing I do now. I did not do mm-hmm. before. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, so you might mean you got to prove your health. I never did a genetic test. Um, but not that if I was dating someone in real life, you know, mm-hmm. Oh, can I see your genetic test? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it is a gamble with, in a way to a degree so far, yeah. uh, but, um, I guess what's the, what's the genetic test do? Is that just to kind of avoid lining up too much to where like you happen to meet someone that you might be like related to 
that you didn't know. Oh about. no, I, I've done I've done my ancestry test. Uh, I have that too. I, I know my ancestry thing. Uh, genetic test is a, a test you do if you uh, carry any uh, genetic disease, uh, you know, mm-hmm. from your lineage. Um, they can test you on that. Right. Oh wow. I guess that's a big liability thing, especially if it's like you want to make sure you're clear up front. <sighs> Potentially. I mean, it's, it's like, well, there's yeah, no telling, but at least you're yeah, doing everything well, you can to kind of like cross your T's and dot your I's. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's something the, uh, sperm banks do do, but there's a big controversy going on with sperm banks as well as them using donor sperm more than what's written on the contract that the donor signs. There are numerous cases of um, donor kids from a sperm bank mm-hmm. finding their father uh, through the DNA testing, you know, like Ancestry.com or 23andMe, they can uh, mm-hmm. see, you know, who your father is, who your parents are, and any other yeah. blood relatives. They can see that. And um, I think that there was one there was one donor on the West Coast who donated in college, and now all his kids are in college, all his donation kids. And they mm-hmm. keep popping up a lot more of them than uh, what he thought he donated to. And he's actually suing the sperm bank. So, oh, wow. yeah. And there's also another, uh, now it's in Netflix. It's on Netflix now. It's called Our Father. It's a documentary movie. Yeah, yeah. Where the doc, actual doctor at the fertility clinic used his own sperm to impregnate mm-hmm. women. And but that's kind of weird as well. So it's a big part with the recipients that I do work with. They really want to know uh, more about me. And um, in case the kid ever asks questions, they really would like the opportunity or the option to talk to me and have me meet the child or me talk to the child or whatever. Um, yeah. Not all of them want an anonymous donor. Some of, some of them want a more personal uh, and I made some great friends with my recipients. Uh, right. yeah. well, I guess it's like the old saying, it really does take a, a village to, to raise a child. Or at, at this point, it's like to, to even just create a child. It's, it's pretty wild. I mean, there are good and bad things uh, with what I've, as a donor, what I've done. Um, I don't know. Have you had any negative experiences? or? Oh, yeah. I had one drag my name in the Facebook group through the mud. Um, but that's a long story. Um, anybody so, back you, they're like, no, that's not true. Oh yeah. Oh, my recipients. Yeah. There's a recipient I work with and her mom, uh, I mean, not her mom, her wife and her broke <laughs> up and we were friends on Facebook mm-hmm. and she, I don't know. It was, it was ridiculous. Uh, and after that she started dancing rather stripping mm-hmm. and, um, Mm-hmm. We we matched back and forth a couple times, and I think she was just trying to make me look bad because then her and her wife got back together, and uh, mm-hmm. and they, they she went all out there talking trash. But I've seen it happen to numerous other donors in the group as well, so that made me feel better that I'm not the only one. So gotcha. not not personal from her, but you know from other recipients. Right. Yeah. Not necessarily personal, like when someone just decides to go on for an account. I guess it's kind of like. It, goes with the territory especially you talk about like social media or just people feeling however they might feel it's like regardless if you're talking about donors and recipients or like a twitter beef or something like somebody's always got something to be upset about definitely absolutely she even messaged my sister i was just like in shock it was was, she really went all out it was she had it was very vindictive um it was kind of scary and i was very glad i was not uh 
successful with her. <laughs> so yeah. Gotcha. Oh yeah, that would that would have made for a strange dynamic. Yeah. But I, I guess since, since um, all of this is kind of launched off for you, like what's what's um, life been like with your family, like being able to to connect with them, like post divorce. Well, um, my ex moved from Georgia to Kentucky. That's why I moved to Tennessee. They're just an hour north of me. Um, I had to follow them. Um, and because my kids are young right now, they're eight, six, and four. So I was going to miss out staying in Georgia. So I moved up here uh, just to be closer. And right now, my ex works on weekends. So because she had a child with her bo- current boyfriend. So she has an even younger one. And uh, so she can't work during the week. She has to stay home with the two youngest kids of the four. And um, so um, it's actually been great. My ex and I get along phenomenally. Um, As co-parents, I couldn't ask for a better co-parent. We weren't the best husband and wife, but we haven't gotten any argument in like two years. of Not one single disagreement in like two years. We just do it for the kids. It's been absolutely amazing. And um, she's a great mother. So I I couldn't ask for a better situation with her. Aside from us, you know, living closer and maybe on, you know, drive time, go back and forth. But it's better than meeting halfway in Chattanooga between Georgia and Nashville definitely better, but I basically have my kids every weekend, so right. it's been awesome. That's awesome. I, I guess would can you point to anything that like changed once? I guess you guys were able to are able to now like communicate and not not having a fight for two years. That's that's a significant amount of time. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't know at first. It took a while, mm-hmm. but I did notice at one point um, she just kind of out of nowhere started being nice to me. Because after the divorce, it's pretty bitter. Both of us. Mm. She said some pretty spiteful things, and I would be spiteful right back. You know, I weren't married anymore. I didn't have to be nice. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah. And I knew about her boyfriend uh, right after the divorce. So, um, regardless of that, I backtracked it to the time. It's like when she started being nice to me, I'm like, oh, it was kind of like, you, 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 <clears throat> wow kind of like a eureka moment like oh i get it it was when she got pregnant she started being nice i don't know if she felt guilty or what or just because it was a surprise um Mm -hmm. with her fourth kid uh for her and him but uh yeah uh so yeah then she got pregnant and that was when she started being nice and i was nice back this one was nice to me be nice back but um Mm -hmm. yeah so that's a surprise (laughs) yeah so I guess as um, as you look forward to like the year wrapping up and just what 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 comes next, like what what are you look what's something you're looking forward to to kind of like wrap up the year? Uh, Apple to approve the app that would be phenomenal. Um, I'm just kind of in a waiting mode now. I don't want to shop for investors. I don't want to pursue anything else with the app nothing i just stand still and wait and wait this waiting game um it's it's been horrible but that and also by the end of the year the merge with this other company should um hopefully be final and um we're already going to start the process with me running the shop probably in the next week or two um Because the guy he's running right now wants to transition to uh, a project manager and step away from the shop completely. He's not even the shop foreman. He's just kind of running it. He already is a project manager, but um, (laughs) there is no foreman or supervisor for the shop. 
So yeah. it's kind of a weird dynamic when I came in there. I didn't really understand it, um, but they, I don't know. Anyway, so I'm looking forward to that with the merge and yeah. it's going to be um, pretty exciting at the company uh, to have more opportunities to grow. Absolutely. That's awesome. And I wish you the best, the best in that. And just for people that don't know, like, what is the the app called and how can they get more information about it? Oh yeah, I never said that. Uh, Big Fat Positive is the name of the app. You just have to search that in any of the app stores on Google or app or Apple once it's approved. Um, or you can go to bfpnow.com. Um, that'll basically take you to the app store. Um, or just some information's there, but it's basically going to direct you to the app store and tell you to go there. Um, B as in boy, F as in Foxtrot, P as in Papa, um, now bfpnow.com. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the time, John. Thank you so much for doing this. Glad we could, uh, reconnect and get things worked out scheduling wise. Yeah, absolutely. As I think this is a better talk than last time anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all the luck with the end of the year. Um, just hope things wrap up well and fingers crossed that app gets approved and Absolutely. more more and more things to look forward to. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Asher. Yes, sir.